I did find out last weekend while you were out of town, your mom listens. <laughs> oh. Okay. That, Hi, mom. Yeah. I'm Mitch. And I'm Missy. We're co-workers. He's the boss, and we're married. And she's the boss. Together, we host Good Faith Weekly, a podcast on faith and culture. What could possibly go wrong? Tune in and find out. Oh, Missy. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we've got a very special start to the pod. We want to welcome our new interim co-host, Missy Randall. And Missy and I are going to catch up and talk about life a little bit as we begin. And then we're going to shift to the news, talking about some of the most important issues facing our culture today. We're going to talk about the battle for women's reproductive health in Florida and the state of Kansas. And then we're going to talk about some really good news at Good Faith Media, the release of Tony Cartledge's new 12-volume commentary series. And you're going to want to hear a lot more about that. And then later in the pod, Missy and I are going to sit down with Wanda Kidd, recently retired campus minister minister, an aspiring comic. So it's going to be a great pod. Make certain that you stay tuned. Missy, how are things going in your world? Hey, boss. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, well, you know, I've been spending um, a good bit of time this last week. Uh, You were out of town. I was out of town. And I had to drive um, across the state to our sweet nephew's birthday party. Yes. And when I got in the car that I hadn't driven in a while, Mm -hmm. I had a little cleanup to do. You did. I did. I did. I pulled probably 254 mint wrappers. Mint wrappers? Side (laughs) of the car door. Well, I may be a little addicted to those mints. I will say, Grandpa, (laughs) you have a problem. Well, uh, we uh, got we got to talk about this. We got to have a certs intervention. <laughs> There's nothing better than a good cert on a drive. I mean, but two hundred of them. <laughs> it's over time. It's over time. Okay. Well, anyways, I had to test. I get like really knocked on for my um, Sonic straw wrappers. So I wanted to just make a point to say, buddy, look in the mirror. You pull that on. What is it? A plank, a stone? What do we, I got to brush up on my Bible. If I'm going to be a host on this podcast. Yeah, I got a plank in my eye and a plank. stone in my, well, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> so are you excited about the pod? I am. And I came today bearing gifts. Oh, dear Lord. I brought you a gift. In light of a new co-host, I thought I might bring you something that would be useful for our time together. Audience, I will have to post pictures and show notes, but right now, Mitch is opening a little gift. She has handed me this beautiful little uh, wrapped in black uh, silk. It's blue, but okay. It's blue. Okay, well, it's dark in here. It's fine. So blue, and I'm opening the box now. I thought it might be something you could use for your new (laughs) co-host. Oh, my gosh. This is outstanding. Ladies and gentlemen, now we have the Missy bleep button. I have a feeling we'll need new batteries for that soon. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, thank you. Well, I did not get anything for you for your first day. Well, that's kind of 
<laughs> yeah, it is kind of crappy. Uh, I apologize. Well, I am so excited that you're joining us. Uh, I know that uh, you've been a little bit nervous about uh, this first episode, but you're going to do beautifully. Just a bit, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, uh, top of the news this week is uh, the abortion rights uh, fight that's continuing after the Supreme Court, um, after they repealed Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs case. And so now this is being sent to the states. Uh, some really interesting developments uh, this week uh, in the state of Florida. There's a group of clerics uh, in the state of Florida made up of Christians, Jews, and Unitarian and Buddhists who have actually filed suit in court uh, claiming that their religious liberty is being denied by uh, these new laws that are going into place that is banning abortion. And then, just this week in the state of Kansas, uh, voters overwhelmingly in a red state voted to keep women's reproductive health uh, a staple in that state. So lots going on. But let's first talk about these clerics. So what was your reaction to the news uh, about the clerics filing suit and claiming religious liberty to fight this battle of uh, that's going on regarding abortion? Well, I felt like it was a great power move, one, because you've got clergy who, you know, as, as far as I feel like most of the religious right assumes they've got you know, clergy on their side, but they're saying, listen, this is inhibiting our ability to do our job. I thought it was very interesting, and and I can't wait to see kind of how this plays out, because it's, it's very true, and as you guys have talked to in the past, um, uh, Rabbi... And, Rachel Lane, yeah. Yeah, um, who has just such an, uh, a very, I don't know, prophetic take on uh, the Jewish view of abortion care, and uh, I think... I kind of feel like the religious right forgets that there's another voice, that there's, as one might say, more to tell right. um, on this issue. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Well, the Florida law signed uh, into law by Governor Ron DeSantis uh, basically restricts uh, the restricts abortion, even the exception of rape and incest. And what was interesting about the interviews you can find in the Washington Post and other major newspapers around the country is that this group of clerics are, are, are clearly and boldly stating that they are pro-choice, not in spite of their faith, but because of their faith. And I think you're exactly right when you said that uh, that there is another group in this country that is arguing for women's reproductive health based upon their faith. And I think that has been absent over the decades since Roe v. Wade is that faith argument for reproductive health for women and women's rights. And this could be the game changer in this debate. Yeah, I pulled a quote from the article that was a, a couple of them, but one that's... Um applicable here when they said, uh, I don't remember who said it, it was just within the article, it says, look biblically, Jesus says nothing about abortion. He talks about loving your neighbor and living abundantly and fully. He says, I come that you might have full life. Does that mean for a 10-year-old to bear the child of her molester that you cut your life short because you aren't able to rid your body of a fetus? And I felt like in light of, I'm sure many people have seen uh, kind of the quip going around about the the ten year old girl who can't 
ride in a car without a booster seat. And yet you're expecting her to bear this child. And I read another story of a nine-year-old child who, who died giving birth to a stepfather's child. And it's just, it, it, it does bring the question of how do you define that full life? You're, you're going to cut one life short, you know, just for, for this, this other. And where do you reconcile that? And I think what we need to allow room for is sometimes life is messy. It's not cut and dry. There's not black and white. And that's why these decisions need to be made with a physician, mm-hmm. with a counselor, with a, a clergy, someone who has your best interest and knows your situation at heart and not with these um, hard and fast laws that restrict those people and those professionals and experts in your life who are helping you navigate what's the best thing to do for all involved. Yeah, absolutely. And then later on in the week after uh, we came across this article in Florida, of course, in the state of Kansas, uh, they took it to a ballot initiative and the people of Kansas, citizens of Kansas, overwhelmingly voted to keep reproductive rights for women, which is a little bit out, you know, surprising because Kansas is such a red state. They have not voted for a Democratic president in 50 years. It's the home of Eisenhower, a home of Bob Dole. I mean, it's just really, really kind of uh, surprising, I guess. Uh, Not that that they won, uh, but that it was so overwhelming. And so I want to ask you a question because uh, you grew up in a in fundamentalist churches, just like I did. Our previous host, uh, Autumn, uh, grew up in fundamentalist uh, churches as well. So how did your position on this issue evolve over time? Because, I mean, if you grew up like me, and I know you did, we you know, were staunch pro-life because that's what we were hearing from the pulpit. So what began to, to kind of change the, the needle for you? Well... I did write a very well-researched paper in high school opposing abortion. Well, of course you did. Of course you did. And apparently it was not convincing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have that in our closet. Maybe someday I'll bring it out and oh read an excerpt for our listeners. Um, I'm super embarrassed about that now, but, but I will tell you that, one, I was opposed at that time, and two, it was also an easy issue to research and write a paper, and as you probably have gleaned um, in school, I was real good at phoning it in. No, you, I I just don't imagine. But I think that's (laughs) relatable, and I I honestly can't remember your original question, but I'm going to go on a diatribe here. Okay, all right, good. I honestly feel like just as when I was 15 and had to write a research paper, which I loathed research papers and thought, what's the easiest thing to write about? Oh, I'll write about abortion. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what is happening with the right. It's the easiest issue to garner their base and to get people fired up. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about before, I know you and Autumn talked about, it's just a low cost issue um, to rail against. So for me personally, um, kind of evolving on this issue just came with exposure. I, I don't know, well, no, I do know that you remember when we were first married, we volunteered at Methodist Hospital mm, in Dallas yeah. and we were cuddlers, which was like the most amazing experience. They had a level three NICU there. Now define, what, define for the audience what a cuddler is. I'm about to. Okay. You cut me off. Oh, sorry. I'm okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, so they had a level three NICU there, which meant that many babies from across the state in, in more remote areas were flown in 
to be cared for there because they couldn't be cared for by the hospitals um, in their local communities, which meant many parents could not, you know, relocate to live there. So they had a program of volunteers that would come in and and cuddle babies because as we know now from development that babies need touch, they need affection, and the nursing staff simply did not have the time um, to do that. So you would go in for, you know, your time during the week and you would literally just hold babies feed babies there were if you were in the level I think one the most critical unit which we rarely went into those babies were so tiny and fragile that they couldn't handle being held but there were times where they would have us go in and just simply place our hands um, around the babies just we had to be very still just to place our hands on the babies that was all they could handle but it was crucial for them um, so seeing those experience uh, or those babies and hearing the experiences, there was one child who had been in there for six months, was ready to go home, but they literally did not have anywhere to send him. No one would come claim him. No one would take him. And seeing that, and I remember them packing him up in a wagon and, and asking us to take him for a walk around the hospital to give him some socialization. And we did seeing reality mm-hmm. is what changed my mind that this is messy and it's complicated and it's hard to wrestle with, but it is not as easy as we want it to be. Life is not as easy as we want it to be. And I think that's what Jesus taught. He forced us to reckon with the difficult, the complicated, and to see the person for their actual self and not just some statistic or a law or um, somebody that we really want to categorize as one thing or another. These situations were difficult, and I we saw so many situations that weren't easy to solve. So that's what began my process of changing my mind about this issue and, and seeing people that we've known who have died yeah. I mean honestly during childbirth and right. in situations that were dangerous and I think that's where people are today is that they're starting to understand the nuances of pregnancy and the dangers of pregnancy and and it's just it's not as clear-cut as we were told from the pulpit growing up in these fundamentalist churches and by fundamental right-wing politicians and so uh, I I totally want to just put an amen uh, an explanation uh, mark on on your statements, because that was great. And folks, if you're playing Good Faith Weekly Bingo at home, uh, you can go ahead and mark off Mitch interrupting Missy for the first time uh, <laughs> This, uh, this, the life of uh, Good Faith Let Weekly. me add a footnote here and say for most of our, what was it, 20 or so years of our marriage, you were in the pulpit preaching, and I got to add commentary later. Yeah, and now, true. I get to add live commentary. Wow. So, <laughs> jokes every, on you. Every pastor's spouse <laughs> is in of you right, That's right now at this moment. This week at Good Faith Media, we announced the release of a brand new commentary, Nurturing Faith Commentary, Year A, Volume 1, Advent to Epiphany, is written by an incredible scholar, one of our colleagues, Tony Cartledge, and it's going to be a 12-volume series, and we are really excited about this. And you are Uh, as an employee of Good Faith Media, often have the privilege of talking to uh, churchgoers who read Dr. Cartledge's uh, commentaries each week. And let's just say this, Dr. Cartledge has a fan club, right? 
So I will say this. There is no fangirl like a Tony Cartledge fan. <laughs> I spend a lot of time on the phone with them <laughs> because I answer the main line for Good Faith Media and I have spent many a minute on the phone with someone who is calling to rave about Tony Cartledge. And so someone who is not seminary educated, um, let me just tell the, the general audience what makes Tony's commentary different in my understanding is that it does follow the lectionary. And if you grew up like I did in a um, Baptist or Southern Baptist or conservative Baptist church, we didn't talk about the lectionary. We didn't follow that. You didn't follow anything that was Catholic adjacent. And to me, that's where that falls into is following the lectionary. Um, and as time has progressed, I know you and your career um, embraced the lectionary and chose to follow it in your preaching. And so that's what that makes this different for people who are in ministry is that it does follow that. So it's a really great resource for pastors, um, teachers, lay people who are, who are interested in lectionary um, based teachings. And his writings are just so insightful. Uh, he's filled with knowledge, uh, Old Testament professor at Campbell Divinity School uh, in North Carolina. And uh, you will be blessed if you pick up this commentary. And we encourage you to do so and do so quickly. You can actually subscribe to the entire 12-volume set at goodfaithmedia.org. And if you subscribe, that locks in a $25 price point for each volume. That price is going to go up in 2023 to $30. But if you subscribe today, you can get all 25 volumes as they are released for $25. Clear so, as mud, right? Clear as mud. Absolutely clear as mud. But uh, it's a great resource. Check it out at goodfaithmedia.org. So I'll, I'll put in one more plug that's probably going to get edited out. <laughs> uh, hang on. Let me get the, let me get get the my, bleep button. Let me get the... the, the go go, go right. ahead. So my favorite um, comment about Tony Cartledge in his Sunday School material, this is another plug. If you don't subscribe to Nurturing Faith Journal, you should because Tony also offers weekly Bible studies that can be used for curriculum in your Sunday school class or your Bible study or or just, you know, on your own. Um, but my favorite comment I've ever received about Tony's Sunday school or Tony's Bible study curriculum is he doesn't shy away from <laughs> Should we talk about that a little bit? Let's put a hold on that one, Missy. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have, have an entire episode dedicated to euphemisms. Euphemisms? Yeah. Awesome. I've got them all highlighted in my Bible. My youth group experience was not wasted. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we're at the end of your first uh, opening at Good Faith Weekly. Uh, what do you think so far? Well, I mean, I'm not shaking as bad right now as I was at the beginning. Right. But I will say, I did find out last weekend while you were out of town that your mom listens. <laughs> oh, so okay. that, hi, mom. Yeah, that added a whole new level of, oh, crap. Or, or wait, oh, yeah, exactly. There. So um, anyways, just keep that in mind. Your mom's listening. Okay, I'll remember that. Well, we are looking forward to your time with us here at Good Faith Weekly and uh, appreciate uh, you stepping in uh, after Autumn's departure. And it's going to be, it's, I think we're going to have a good time uh, talking about some of these issues, talking about life in general, and uh, we hope the audience enjoys it as well. Well, don't go anywhere. Missy and I sit down with Wanda Kidd and she is going to have you in stitches. That interview is coming up. Be right back. Hey, listeners, check us out online at goodfaithmedia.org and follow us on social at gfmedia.org. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. I'm new here and could really use the feedback, but only if it's glowing. 
Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we've got a very special guest with us all the way from Mars Hill, North Carolina. Wanda Hardy Kidd is a retired campus minister, campus ministry coordinator for the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of North Carolina and collegiate specialist for the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship in Atlanta, Georgia. She's got years of experience working with students and is just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Recently, she recorded a podcast for us at Good Faith Media, and we are excited to share that podcast with you, Journeying Through the Desert, and you can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast, as well as... Wanda is an aspiring comic, and we're going to talk all about this in our time with her today. Wanda Kidd, welcome to Good Faith Weekly. I am so excited to be here, especially excited to be here for Missy's first podcast. You have no idea how excited I am that you are my first guest. If I could have dreamt up um, a first person to talk to and be recorded, although I'm not sure the recording is um, going to be super <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hand to God, Wanda. She started making a list when we decided to you know, let her be the interim uh, uh, co-host for Good Faith Weekly. You were at the top of that list. So. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Right behind Brad Pitt and uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk to Brad <laughs> Hey, hey, this is a this is a family show, Missy. <laughs> so thank you, Wanda, for joining us. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Well, Wanda, you just retired this last year after an illustrious career working with students. Um, what was it like to finally kind of set down the mantle and kick your feet up and look back upon these years that you have been doing ministry for so long and making such an impact on students' lives? Well, um, it, it has been an interesting transition. I already had lined up several things so that I would not be depressed about <laughs> laying that down. Yeah. Um, I knew when I was a college student that I wanted to do campus ministry because my campus minister changed my life. Mm. And I just really wanted that opportunity. And in the decades that I have been in that process, um, things have changed. They've, they're changing so quickly all the time. And I really did get the feeling that things were going to be changing exponentially again. And it was probably a really good time to step away and let other people um, do that. The amount of non-tradition in the class that I was, um, we'll talk about later about the comedy class, I said in that class, I was a campus minister. Not one person in that class knew what a campus minister was. <laughs> and I thought, whoa, right. um, things are changing. We are not sharing a language or an image. The work is more profound than it's ever been. Um, but techniques are going to have to change. Mm -hmm. Our whole being Baptist in the South, where we had something incredibly uh, valuable, and you should know that we are the repository of all things that are good, and you should come be with us. Um, that's not working anymore. And in fact, we have so much apologizing to do. <laughs> so, um, I do feel, somebody asked me just day before yesterday, did I feel like my work impacted any students specifically? Mm -hmm. um, and I said, yes, I, I, I do. I'm not, not sure whether that was all good. But, um, <laughs> same, but I did, same. I hear I you. Do know, <laughs> I do know I impacted them. She didn't ask them, but I impacted them for good. <laughs> um, but 
in those years, um, when I was campus minister on a campus, I had two students a year that decided to go to seminary who came in not even knowing that that was an option. So I do feel like there's, um, there is a lot of people who came through my portals that now are out there doing ministry. Um, and that, that makes me happy. One of my students that was, um, was just an intriguing human being. Um, his name was Charlie. His name still is Charlie. Um, he, um, he's now a hospice chaplain and deals totally in storytelling is how he does that. He was in my very first group I did for my doctoral on storytelling Mm -hmm. and evangelism. Mm -hmm. So yes, I, I feel like as I look back on my life, I did what I was called to do. And thankfully it was something I wanted to do. So, yes. Well, I know that you've made an impact on a lot of students throughout the years, and I've heard testimony after testimony of people that say Wanda Kid, you know, had a huge impact on my life and in my ministry and career. So thank you for all those years. You talked about kind of the trajectory of your ministry and how it changed uh, context over time. What do you think was the major change that you saw from when you began campus ministry to your retirement? Well, on my campus, I was in rural Western North Carolina and uh, out of the 10,000 students that were on campus when I got there, when I was a student, and even when I went back to be campus minister, I would say 50% were Baptist, not Mm -hmm. just Christian, but Baptist. And we had this shared language and watching that um, that landscape change where you were not only having to explain why you should be a person of what you didn't even get to why you should be a Baptist. You got mm-hmm. to why you should be a person of faith. Um, so much sadness and mental health issues became much mm-hmm. more pronounced Um Students with all kinds of issues were looking for home. That that one belief that I say over and over is, you know, when I grew up, you believed and then you belonged. And then somewhere about 25 years ago, with no notice, <laughs> it became you must belong before you believed. And um, finding ways to help people feel like they belonged to a group before you could even engage them in a conversation about belief was was just probably the biggest transition. So Wanda, I have to say that I only recently had the pleasure of meeting you. I had um, heard of you from our older son who did an internship program with you, and I just heard the name but didn't um, quite know who you were and met you in North Carolina back in March. And I will say that instantly, um, Autumn, our from, former um co-worker and host and I just became instant members of your fan club you kept us laughing the entire time you were at our little booth there um and I have just recently actually this last weekend had a road trip and put your podcast on to listen to and so I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about uh, your podcast share the story that you've um, told me at CBF about how you got to the point um, of taking this road trip by yourself well, in the 
in the introduction, it talks about that there was a lot of um, loss in my life during a pretty brief period of time. I had lived this very uh, charmed life. Everybody was well and hearty. No pun. <laughs> we were all um, we were all good. And then my father died unexpectedly, and I happened to be there. And then two years later, my mother died. Then a year and a half later, my sister died. And ten weeks later, after that, my brother died. And and then in the midst of that, my husband was having surgery and probably is going to have his leg amputated. And it was just a my lot. Goodness, and yeah. I try not to think. Oh, poor me. Look at all that because they were actually going through horrible things themselves. But um, I, I I have always struggled with grief in the moment and um, it just kept building up. Um, I ended up doing all of their their services, their memorial services. So there was never any point for me to sit down and grieve. I right. mean, I didn't even right. have a a funeral director who helped me. Uh, we we did all of that, and uh, and one day I just saw a camper right, right by me <laughs> on the road, and I said to my husband, "You know, if you had, I don't think I can say that." And he said, "You were going to say if I had died." <laughs> <laughs> I say that a lot around here, Wanda. It's fine. So I said, um, and I said I would have gone on a trip, and he said well, maybe I don't have to die and you could go on this trip. And I said, that, that would be great. Thank you. So um, so that's how it started. I just knew that I needed time to process all of that. And, and if there was another living soul there, I would talk. And I needed to not talk. I needed to think and process. So that is how, it, and through the, through the, Three and a half months, I did go stay with people, and I did talk to total strangers, male, female, children. <laughs> I, I can't not talk to people, but it was imposed time of reflection for me. That's one thing I thought about as I was listening, and you mentioned in one of the first episodes about the quiet and the observing, and, and I, two things I thought of is, is a lot of times quiet is painful, um, but I think necessary for healing. And it sounds like that's what um, that process was for you. I would go days without turning on the radio. I mean, wow. I just, I, I just um, needed that space in my head, which it, that space in my head has always been intriguing to other people. <laughs> do you have as many voices as I do? Yeah. Okay. Good. Somebody said, I'd love, I'd take, five minutes just to walk around in your brain. I said, the amount of therapy it would take you later is not. <laughs> right. This is why I like you. We have this conversation often where Mitch will say, you have to let me in on the beginning of the conversation and not midway when you've already had it with all the people in your head. Um, so yes, I understand you. That's very good. <laughs> so it was, um, it was better than I thought it was going to be. I, I really had no expectations. I just, knew I had to go. Yeah. And um, and I had said to my husband when we were early married that I knew that when my father died not to look for me, I would be in a car and driving as far as I could, and then I'd turn around and come back, don't worry about me. So I, I had, he was prepared that this sure. was mm-hmm. going to be part of the process. Yeah. So, what did You mentioned as you were describing uh, how this uh, book and podcast came to be. You talked about 
uh, as clergy, you had all of these moments where people were dying in your life and you were asked to give, um, give a message of hope, give a message of reflection at these family members' funerals and memorial services. A lot of times people forget that clergy are human beings. And a lot of times they're asked to conduct services, you know, for loved ones, but even, you know, congregants, it's hard for clergy to mourn in those moments where everybody else gets to mourn and, and have this kind of genuine, authentic moment of process and grief. And then at a later time, clergy has to do that after the fact. Could you speak a little bit more to that, the importance of giving clergy time to grieve family as well as congregants because they're in the moment, they're working, they're trying to give hope and to, to, to be a steady presence for those who are mourning, but then they need, they need the same process that everybody else goes through. Can you speak to that? Well, I mean, the fact that we're in the ministry is one of those rescuer moments where we don't want to, where we want to be present in other people's lives, but we don't want to make them uncomfortable. So grieving almost always makes other people uncomfortable, however you do it, whether you do it with anger or tears or whatever. So um, yes, I have never heard where a congregation purposefully and specifically gave space um, afterwards for them to grieve. I think that would be a, that would just be such a lovely mm -hmm. gift from a congregation to their leader. Um, but they would have to be on that leader's timeline because we, you can't say you get two weeks off afterwards because right. by the time I had processed it, it was a couple months down sure. the road. Um, so Yes, we have often this this approach to life that we don't we don't suffer, you know, we don't um, we don't need the same things. But we, in our heart, we know that. And uh, I mean, anybody who knew John Claypool as a minister when he lost his daughter, his books and his sermons about that grief were so permission giving to other ministers and to his congregation. I think it's very very important and valuable. It's especially hard, I feel like, having been married to someone in the ministry for all these years, when it's family. And, and what you mentioned was you suffered several losses in your family in which you were having to go into work mode. I know I've seen Mitch do that as well when family members have, have passed and, and he's asked to you know, lead services. It's it's an adding another layer that I've lost a family member and I'm grieving and I'm having to go into work mode. And so I just, I can't imagine what that must've been like for you. And, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you got to take this road trip and I'm thrilled that you're sharing these moments with us. I've really enjoyed listening. Thanks. It was, um, well, each of mine were in hospice too. And I think the years, the weeks of hospice were as um, profound as the, death process. I mean, it is a process. So I am, I am a much better minister than I was before all of this happened. Mm -hmm. sure. um, so, but I, I'm a much better minister than I had a time and place to, to bring order to it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the podcast uh, where you can listen to the podcast, wherever you listen uh, to your pods journey through the desert narrated by Wanda Hardy kid. And it is fabulous. And we recommend it highly. 
Well, here's the last topic I want to talk with you about, Wanda. I will never forget the day that our oldest son came home after an internship with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of Oklahoma. I want you to let her tell this story. Yeah, but he said, Dad, there was this woman there, and I thought we were going to talk about Jesus a lot. She wanted to talk about comedy a lot. So tell us us what happened at that moment. (laughs) I was so fascinated that Cole... um, I, this had been a thing in the back of my head for my whole life. Um, truly, I was a storyteller from the time I was a child. I just loved a story. And he came in, and we all talk about where they were going to serve and what they were going to do and where they were in school. And he said, I'm at Emerson, and I am studing comedy. And I went, that's a thing? That's what he tells us. Mom and dad said the same thing. <laughs> said the same thing. I said it from a sense of awe. You <laughs> right. So, um, and so I just kept talking to him about well, what does that look like and how do you how does that become a, a degree and how do you do that? And I was truly fascinated. So anytime I would see you, Mitch, mm-hmm. I, I would say how how's cold because that he, he fascinated me. And it was not so much a hidden thing in me. It was just that it just never was going to work out. I mean, um, I always thought I was going to be Minnie Pearl, but uh, (laughs) there's um, still time. Yeah, there's still time. But that kind of comedy died almost about the time I could have stepped in to do something like that. And, um, and then all stand up had to go through bars and I just didn't want to do that. Then I had children and then I had, you know, Mm -hmm. then I worked for religious organizations. (laughs) (laughs) So so I had to bide my time and I, it was just always back there. And I would say to myself, fact that you were a student minister, you got to do Mm -hmm. this, you got to make people laugh and do all that. That was going to be enough. But when I got ready to retire, I thought I, my mm-hmm. heart is not going to lay calmly in my chest until I have given this a try. We and are so excited that you are trying it because yeah. you are hilarious. I also am biased and think my son is as well. Um, he is also a storyteller. And some of our favorite moments during his college career were the um, holidays when he would fly home. And the minute we would get him home and sit down at the table and listen to his stories of his adventures, most mostly on the plane in the airport. And we just would laugh and laugh and laugh. And I'm so thankful because you have also that gift of storytelling and to sit at a table with you is just to hurt from laughter. So I'm so excited <laughs> that you are embracing this and um, taking classes, which I'm not sure that, that you need the classes. You're already hilarious, <laughs> but I do understand that it helps you hone your craft. Yes, that's what I, I had way too many words. <laughs> he really helped me. Uh, the teacher was fascinating. And he gave me this really interesting insight. Um, I always had a, every time I've had a story with a man, almost always with a man, um, saying something derogatory about me in ministry. <laughs> I have always. I wasn't sure where that was going. <laughs> Fall in the cliff hanging. Uh, um, I always felt like I had to come back with a period, you know, got a a gotcha moment. You know, he didn't catch me off guard. And so when I was telling those stories, they often were self-deprecating. 
And this, these young students in the class said, no, we don't want you to put yourself down. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, teaching me to just leave the story open-ended and let other people find their own voice in that story was such a, a, a learning moment for me. Mm-hmm. And so I said that to the teacher. And um, I said, I'm really having a hard time letting go of my moments of I, mm-hmm. I got this. Sure. And he said, I think because you are a strong woman in a male dominated place that you have had to stake your stand everywhere you've been. Mm-hmm. I bet that was exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I wrote back, that is so insightful. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and um, so, yeah, I, it's been very um, freeing for me to, to do this. And they, I got to be the close. We had a graduation and I got to be the closer. I saw that. I thought there must be a reason, right? And my style was really different from the rest of theirs. Let Mm -hmm. me just tell you, they were one liners and lots of, can I shock you enough conversations? Um, And mine was not, but, um, but it, they laughed and applauded and it was very, like okay this i i will not <laughs> the number one there my family uh, motto should be i'd rather be right than rich but the <laughs> old age thing should be i would i i just want to make sure i'm not crazy uh that's do that's you though i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's way more fun on the crazy side <laughs> i don't know where it's gonna go i i think i'm going back to charlotte and they're Great. this little group is going around to open mic nights so that's I think so exciting you need to bring this show on the road and let us know where, where you're gonna yeah, be it's gonna be exciting we will definitely be there yeah, we gotta support. figure out how to kind of leverage this for good faith media right? as well don't and we need an like, on staff like comic good faith or laughs something? or something like that yeah. so that'd yeah. be great yeah. we need to do something like that so well Wanda thank you so much for being with us today you we knew you were going to be a delight and you certainly were and Missy is just tickled pink I wanted to pull out one of the quotes from um episode two or three maybe um and your prayer at the end I wanted to repeat it back for you and, and let our listeners hear it as well uh, it says, God of comfort and healing, please help us recognize the sacred moments in our life when they present themselves and teach us to practice leaning into those moments. And mm. I wanted to say that because I feel like laughter brings us comfort and laughter brings us healing and it is a sacred moment. And I thank you so much for sharing that gift with us. I thank you for knowing us and allowing us into your life. And we are so excited to follow your new career, your second career, which I hope you never retire from, and that is making us laugh. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, wow, that was really good. Thanks. So you kind of kind of made us all cry. I've on been your first workshopping day. that for the last thirty <laughs> seconds. So how'd it go? <laughs> well, very well. Uh, well, Wanda, again, thank you so much. But before we let you go, here at Good Faith Media, we ask all of our guests the one final question on the pod, Good Faith Weekly, and this is Missy's first time asking this question. So Missy, take it away. Wanda, as you may know, our tagline at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell. In light of your work and all we've discussed today, what is your more to tell? I'm going to just give you um, just a little bit because I, I hope I get to come back to talk about this. My new thing is being um, present and attentive to the young people who are being left, uh, who are leaving 
foster care Mm -hmm. and um, finding different ways that we can minister to them. And our church is in the process of turning our third floor that is not used for anything into housing for uh, 18 to 24 year old males that are coming out of foster. That's incredible. And um, I think there's a lot to be done instead about that in congregations. Mm -hmm. And so that is, that is my new hope and voice. What a great idea and a great use of space. I love that. We're going to have to have you back to talk about that. Absolutely. So, Missy, you survived your first episode. What would you think? Well, as as you know, we had to record a little bit earlier this week than um, you typically do for, for scheduling reasons. And so I've had a solid 24 hours to fret and rethink of all the stupid things I said or everything I would have said different. And uh, what I've chosen to uh, land on for the positive is that there is lots of room for improvement. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I think I think we've got maybe nowhere to go but up. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, you did absolutely great. I was uh, really thrilled with content and you just, I know you were nervous going into this, but you just, you seemed relaxed and conversational. Well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> Well, uh, well, you we all go. need a little help sometimes. Yeah, sometimes we need a little help from the spirit. Uh, I get it. And a good editor. We are very, very thankful today for our editor, Cliff Vaughn. That's right. Well, you did a great job and uh, it was great to have Wanda on the pod. She's so great. Yeah. I just, I would love to just sit around a table with her for a long time. Yeah. She's hilarious. Well, congratulations. Thank you. We're going to keep you around another week. Well, I hope so. You've been listening to Good Faith Weekly, hosted by Mitch and Missy Randall. This weekly podcast from Good Faith Media discusses matters of faith and culture. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a like and a glowing review. We produce the podcast out of Norman, Oklahoma. Our music comes from Pond 5. And we're supported by listeners like you. Learn more about us at goodfaithmedia.org. Thank you.